Welcome to the special State of the State edition of Fontcast. My name's Beecher Townsend and I'm joined, as always, by Brad Stansfield. Hello. Well, this is it. The edition we've all been waiting for. The State of the State edition. That's right. I'm excited and, as always, Beach, it'll be the honest, frank and fearless assessment of this speech and of Tasmanian politics that you won't, that you don't get anywhere else. Speaking of which, our last episode with your revelations about the push against Bridget Archer have suddenly gone viral. Yeah, how about that, eh? Um, two weeks after I made the revelation on this podcast, um, yeah. uh, Catherine Murphy, Murphyru, I think yeah, she's called by affectionately by Malcolm Turnbull, um, of The Guardian, The Guardian in Australia, mm. um, picked the story up yesterday and gave it a, a good old run. And incidentally, I know, um, confirmed it to be true and... Um, Subsequently, I, I did hear the member for Bass, uh, Ms. Archer, on on uh, the radio yesterday on Leon Compton's show. Um, oh. And Leon, shout out to Leon for uh, mentioning that uh, she was the issue was raised on the Fontcast first. Ah, oh, thanks, Leon. Um, I did hear. Um, He's a big big supporter of the Fontcast. <laughs> he is indeed. Yeah. That's right. I did hear um, um, Bridget talking about this issue, and certainly didn't suggest that there was nothing less than one hundred percent truth to what I had said. Um, and I suppose the question I would ask Beach, um, why, why was there two weeks? And we obviously have a you know, very significant and influential listenership on this uh, podcast. Why was there two weeks between that issue being raised on this podcast and the Tasmanian media, mainstream media, noticing? In fact, it had to be reported in the Guardian before they deigned to touch it. Yeah, I've got to say, I uh, when I first heard the yarn, when you dropped your bombshell during the recording of Fontcast, Brad, I've got to say, if that didn't write the front page of the Examiner, I didn't know what would. I think it's about page eight today. About page eight, so there you go. So, hmm, what do I know? <laughs> Anyhow, I mean, I think um, uh, if people didn't know what the Fontcast is, they probably do now, so... There it is. I think we had a spike in our listenership yesterday as everybody went, oh, I better find out what this show is. Mm. A while ago. Welcome. Yes. It's, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, you know, persistence pays off, I think. Um, and a while ago, I had one former colleague ring me up and say, I don't listen to Fontcast. And I thought, oh, fair enough. You know, mm. there you go. You don't have to listen to it. But where'd you get that story on Erica Betts about? <laughs> <laughs> so despite the claims, some are listening. I think that's the fact. But speaking frankly, even uh, even 20 years ago when I was in the media, uh, it was never fun following another media outlet story. Imagine something put together by a veteran political advisor yeah. and a former A-grade journalist who's had a 20-year run as a spin doctor. Yeah, no, very true. Uh, I must say I was a little disappointed by the reference to me being a veteran strategist. I'm, I know, I, I'm not, you know... Quite over the yard, um, I don't think. But anyway. Well, um, uh, you keep on referring to me as a former A-grade, so I think you're going to be veteran for the rest of my yeah, life, Brad. That's probably right. Anyway, uh, just a reminder, if you do want all the latest and uh, greatest breaking political news in the Tasmanian scene, make sure you subscribe to Fontcast and to all those mainstream journalists out there. More than happy for you to borrow our content. Just please, acknowledgement of where it came from and... Preferably the link uh, in your yeah, online stories if you can. Link yeah, the links. The Apple Podcast. The, yeah, the link. Here. The link's important. Look, you're spot on, and all I can say is, um, you know, there's plenty of political stories out there. I think we're only scratching the surface, Brad. Um, and uh, you know, we love politics. Those people that listen to this show would love. You would have to love Tassie politics, and we just want to see more politics covered uh, mm. in Tasmania and 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 have a really vibrant debate. I Correct. Think that's fair. Anyhow. The main game, the state of the state address. 
I'm excited, Beach. Well, I was before it was delivered, yeah. perhaps slightly less so afterwards. I'll yep. come to that. Yep. Um, but anyway, we're going to change things up today, Sam, um, okay. because uh, next week is the um, quarterly edition of the Tasmanian Business Reporter, the... Um, um, the state's leading business-to-business business newspaper. I know That's that. the one. I've, I've uh, published, my published yeah, under good. license by the t from the TCCI by Font Publishing. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, in that publication, um, Beecher's infamous political column from the early 2000s, <laughs> imaginatively titled Townsend on <laughs> Politics. <laughs> Where did he come up with that one? I think better known, I'm told, as... Tormentor of Bacon, Cheeks Curse, perhaps even Putz Patsy is back <laughs> next week. And I think we're going to get a sneak preview of it here now, Beach, about yes, what you think yes. about uh, the Premier's State speech. of the State speech, I've got to say. Yeah, I, I thought I'd be rusty. Uh, but it all came back to me um, <clears throat> when I when it came to the State of the State. Was your column really Putz Patsy? Putz Patsy. Look. I've got to say, uh, there's no doubt I was tormentor of bacon. Uh, Cheeks curse. Well, Bob and I are good mates now. If you're listening, Bob, I hope you're good. Um, Peg Putt uh, was the single green in Parliament for the sort of the predominant period that I was a state political reporter, and she was good. Mm. Um, her and Kath Hughes, uh, Kath we've had on Fontcast in the past, uh, good operators, absolutely punched above their weight. And I've got to say, as a political reporter, they ran the yarns that I wanted to write up. Mm. And uh, even though Peg was from Hobart and I was writing for The Advocate. Goodness. Yeah, she was relevant. Anyhow, in terms of the state of the state speech, yes, this is a bit of a bit of a preview. Mm. You know, mm. I mean, people really to get the full full feel of it will have to get a copy of the Tasmanian mm. Business Report distributed for free, I might add. Um, when it came to the state of the spe state speech, well, I wanted to like it. In fact, I wanted to love it. Mm. This was Premier Jeremy Rockcliffe's chance to shine, outlining his approach to governing the state of Tasmania for the next parliamentary year. Instead, I was disappointed, and I suppose in a way I only have myself to blame. You see, reflecting on 2022, I think many of the decisions made by the government in the post-Gutwin period were poorly thought out. Decisions such as doubling down on the stadium in Hobart that nobody wants, agreeing to increase the size of parliament, compulsory voting for local government, and moving to mandatory pre-commitment for gaming, I think, were made in the heat of the moment and not well thought out. By that I mean, when faced with a sudden and unexpected departure of Peter Gutwin, like a rush of blood to the head, a series of rash decisions were made, which many cooler heads would now wish were not made. Mm. So I'd hoped the Premier's speech would change this and would allow for a, next, for a, for a new move to a, a more considered narrative that sought to set out its own path to guide Tasmania through the next period of time. And for what it's worth, there were a few initiatives that may stand the test of time. Apparently 32, 32. initiatives. Okay, well, there you go. Well, I, I didn't pick all those up, and I've got to say, I think a lot of them were a bit half-baked. What is the renewable energy dividend payment for all Tasmanians? Still working that out. Yeah, and when will I get my cheque, most importantly? Then you won't get it. Oh, won't I? Oh. No. Oh, Okay. Why does Housing Tasmania have until the end of April to identify the barriers to construction of more houses in Tasmania? Why, why, you know, this is a perennial problem. Mm. Do we need Treasury to determine how we get cheaper power? And just importantly, who on earth still thinks a cable car will ever be built up Mount Wellington? 
Mm. Mm. I suppose when you boil it down, governing's not easy and new initiatives can be a struggle, even though, as you say, there's more than 30. So the best I could say was it was a workmanlike speech made by a man who wanted to show he supported the economy and has a heart. There's no denying that with Jeremy. Mm. However, I suspect for a government in the middle of its third term, the business community wants to see more than that. He wants to see how this state's going to be taken to the next level as we work through this post-COVID world. Can I say it reads better than it speaks? An excellent, excellent column, Beach, and <laughs> some very considered points. And um, thank you. Well made. I think people uh, would well do to you know. Maybe we could have a, a poll, Sam. Should we bring back Townshend on politics? Sure, I'll do it on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know whether we want to open that Pandora's box, but anyhow. Yeah. Anyway, look. I think I agree with most of what you said there, Beach. I mean, I've been thinking very carefully about this the last few days. You know, I would, I would say I was disappointed. But, but I wasn't really because it was unfortunately really what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, underwhelming, I think, would perhaps be the nicest thing I could say about it. Now, as you pointed out, this was, I think, Jeremy's big chance to lay out his agenda for the state. He got the job, um, you know, what, eight, nine months ago, no, mm-hmm. probably getting called towards a year now, um, eight, nine months ago. Um, you know, sort of thrust into it at the last minute, yep. uh, had to get on with governing, um, hasn't really had time to pause and take breath since until Til the end this. of the financial end of the year. Yeah, and um, you know, I thought there was a chance for him to go away and spend some time on the on the on the potato farm, or I'm not sure he grows potatoes, but anyway, mm. um, on the Tulama farm, um, have a think about what he wants to do, and you know, come back with a clear uh, agenda for the year ahead. And look, it, that, to me, it, it didn't it didn't nail that. You know, yeah. I thought it was a real chance to say. You know, I, Jeremy Rockcliffe, have been there since day one, and the speech tried to say that at the start. I was the Deputy Premier. Yep. You know, um, under Will Hodgman, under Peter Gutwin, um, and I'm now in charge, and you know, I'm continuing that legacy, and this is how I'm going to put my touches on that government, on that, uh, that triumvirate. Um, but, you know... Afterwards, I really don't have any more about know, what Jeremy's about than I did beforehand, and you know, I've always held the view that big speeches like this, they're not about announcements. Yep. They're about messages. Because people are listening to you. So when they're listening, um, you, t- you tell a message. I mean, you can get a front page any day of the week with an announcement. You can't get a front page any day of the week with a message. But you can if you have it in a well-considered and crafted speech. And that just, to me, wasn't in there. Instead, we had this shopping list of mostly uninspiring and tepid announcements Oh, come on, they, they they renamed Department of Sport and Recreation, Brad. Yes, yes, that's active Tasmania. That's going to fix things. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you mentioned the cable car. I mean, exhuming the rotting corpse of the Mount Wellington cable car, you know, like some sort of Walking Dead Series 12. Uh, come on, what are they trying to do? They, they tr- They're trying to deliberately pick a fight? Well, maybe the Greens winning seven seats in, in Clark ain't enough. I just, yeah. I mean, the, the cable car is. You know, it, its moment was fifteen years ago. Yep, um, it's not. It's not. It's been fully fight. exhausted yeah, in terms exactly. of the public debate. And even if you want a cable car, now's not the time exactly. to be proposing. The state demographer. Well, we're going to have the state architect back next. Yeah. Probably are. Um, and on energy, you know, this is the biggest issue facing households. We all know that. Um, instead, we get this sort of uh, lame attempt um, to say, "Well, we can't leave the NIM because if we do, we won't be able to send power across." Uh, um, Basslink or Marinus, a load of cobs, of course we yep. can. And then, oh, 
We're still thinking about whether we're going to have out in the power bills. We've asked Treasury to do it. They said they'll get back to us in 2058. In the meantime, um, you know, put a jumper on. I mean, it's just, I was really, as I say, um, underwhelmed. I think, uh, I think though, Brad, you're right. I think this was an opportunity to define this year. Um, traditionally, that's what the state of the state speech does. It outlines some of the bills that are going to come mm. before the house. Those kind of mm. things, and uh, we've missed that. So, anyway. look, there was some okay stuff in there. You mentioned that. I mean, it looks like he's having another crack at trying to lower the school starting age, um, but through a slightly different model. Don't mind that. Yep. Apparently, phonics are back. I'm not sure they ever left, but okay, great. Don't really um, know what they are, to tell you the truth. No, probably <laughs> sounds good though. Yeah, there's some good little initiatives on the on the home building front. Yeah, good. I think the government's making some progress there, to be fair. Um, and um, at least the stadium, I don't think the S word got to mention, we now was, was airbrushed from the speech, and we now have the uh, Macquarie Point Urban Renewal Project, mm. and apparently it's now going to have an international conference and convention centre. Not sure where they'll fit that, though. Perhaps we could put it under the cenotaph, Brad. Beach. What about Labor's response? Did Rebecca pass? Look, I think she did. Um, I didn't listen to the speech, but but I read the speech. Uh, so thank you to her office for sending a copy through. Uh, appreciate that. And look, I thought it was a good speech, actually. Um, some strong attacks on the government, on stadium, on taxes, on energy. And importantly, I think for the first time, we're still, a, you know, a couple of years out from election, a bit more flesh on the bones of a credible alternative government. Um, you know, sure, the usual low-hanging fruit, like cutting government consultants and government advertising. Shame. Mm. But also... Clear points of difference confirmed on energy, on taxes, on the stadium, and even an attempt. This is new. I don't know if anyone's picked this up. Um, uh, backstory for Miss White. Did you know, Beach? Mm. She apparently lived in a shed for four years while running for Parliament. Well, that certainly shows a lot of sacrifice, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it uh, puts Albo's um, public housing to shame, doesn't it? Does. it? I reckon it does. we'll hear a bit more about that between now and the election. That I, shed. I'd say we will. But yeah. it is important, those sorts of... Uh, uh, narratives and backstories. Well, it does because it builds a picture of the person and it builds an understanding of what drives them and what motivates them to be a member of parliament. Hmm. What, what, what sort of shed are we talking, though? I've seen some pretty nice sheds. Yeah, yeah, I must admit. I've, I, I've got some nice sheds. For what the, the speech didn't go into detail about the shed, but it was definitely in there. And as a, I say, I, I suspect it'll keep popping up. Yeah, <laughs> a, shed, a, a shed is cold and drafty no matter how nice it is. I think right, that would be my take. Anyhow, <clears throat> look. I agree it was a solid effort and Labor are clearly starting to build a narrative on the issues that the government seems to have a tin air over, particularly the stadium. Oh, sorry, urban renewal Correct. project, power prices. But Labor still has an elephant in the room and while the opening days of par- in the opening days of Parliament they have put the government on the ropes, if you ask me, with Shelts Bracknell Hall. It's a hall. It's a hall. Mm. It's a community hall. Community I mean, hall. Come on. Okay. Madeline's former racing CEO. They've been muted on uh, any divisions in government, and let's face it, um, there's definitely some mm. divisions there. And all this because they haven't sorted out the David O'Byrne issue. And until they do, and I might add, he's again confirmed he ain't going nowhere, their efforts to demonstrate they are a credible opposition are in vain. Yes, yeah, a good point, Beach. And again, David O'Byrne issue first raised where? Here on this vodcast yeah. um, a few weeks ago, yeah. and also in my my column as well. Um, yeah, make sure you subscribe, guys and girls. Before we go, it has been a, a you know, sharp and um, 
sort of pointed episode today, but there's a couple of other things we need to raise before we rush off to well, uh, our we first have, meetings. Well, have we broke anything, broken anything exclusive of 32 well, initiatives in the speech? No, we haven't. Mm. But there's a few little bits of tidbits oh. of news doing the rounds, what I think um, I haven't heard or read reported anywhere else, so I thought important to get them on the record because yeah. um, people need to know these things. So, firstly, I hear, um, in fact, I know it's true, the Tasmanian Parliament has its first ever female clerk of the House. Laura oh, Ross. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah. a great job. And I remember when I uh, first started working down uh, in Parliament in 2010, uh, Laura had just started then as like the, the most junior, junior, junior uh, person in the in the administrative side of the Parliament. So it's great that she's now risen to the lofty heights of first ever female clerk of the House and I think worthy of acknowledgement and um, I would encourage uh, mainstream uh, media to uh, note that point. Um Secondly, um, I did just want to say, um, Peach, and I, again, I haven't noticed this anywhere in the mainstream media, and maybe this comes down to the uh, stuff we are talking about earlier in terms of journalists and their professional jealousy yep. or whatever, um, but uh, Rodney Bacter, Bacter, I think that's how you said his name, mm. the long-time editor, in Guna commas, of the um, highly, highly popular social Facebook media page, The Vigilante News, passed away a little while ago, very sad. Yeah. Um, now, I had dealings with him um, you know, from time to time in my former role, and I always found him to be uh, upfront, yep. honest, okay. um, you know, respected sources, um, and um, wasn't afraid to uh, call it as his stories demanded he do so. Um, so, you know, a, a sad loss to the Tasmanian media hmm. community and, I say, again, a little disappointing that I haven't seen that reported or reflected anywhere in the mainstream media. Um, and also, Beach, I am told uh, on good authority that the new editor mm-hmm. of the uh, Vigilante News mm-hmm. um, is none other than um, my good friend, perhaps not quite the right term, um, Ali Alishar. Ali Alishar. Yes. Um, he's been around the traps a little while on the, perhaps not really in my circles, but perhaps on the, on the far left uh, of the Labor Party um, slash Greens. Um, and I think we'll probably bring a slightly different touch to the um, the Vigilante or the Vig News. Um, I hope it doesn't turn into sort of a poor man's Tassie Times because it yeah. is a very popular and important outlet uh, for the community. It certainly has a role to play, I've got to say. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to see. And thirdly, um, uh, Kim Evans, mm. the long-time head of the Department of State Growth. Very long time. Very long time. Um, has announced his retirement, I am told. Uh, we'll be leaving um, towards the middle of the year if he hasn't already you know, left on, you know, the accumulated 30 years' worth of leave. Mm. Um, now, I know you might have slightly different views, Beach, but um, when I was uh, working in the government, I always found Kim to be a um, responsive trusted and uh, competent head of department, uh, perhaps one of the few that met that category, I've got to say. And um, I will say his um, steady hand will be missed in the government when he moves on. Anyway, I'll um, I'll take your silence as um, acquiescence. Speech, what else well, you got? Well, I've got one more thing, which uh, I might be of interest, I think, Brad, might be news to you. Yes, right. I I hear that 
Kim's not the only person to be departing. Right. I hear that Tony Farrell, Secretary of Treasury, is also on the move. So that's two very senior bureaucrats calling it a day. And I've got to say, I wonder which former Labor staffers they'll appoint to these roles, Brad. <laughs> Yeah. Anyhow, that's yeah. probably for another day. Yeah, they've been joking, are you? Yeah. Uh, but look, Beach, that's um, that is big news um, uh, and good news, I've got to say. Um, and another Fontcast exclusive. Ding ding. Now I know. Um, I, I obviously, you know, I, I worked with with Tony Farrell as well when I was in government. Um, I like Tony. I think he's very, very competent. But he's been there for more than a decade or around a decade. He was, in fact, appointed to the head of Treasury by Lara Giddings. So he's been there for Lara, Will, Peter, Jeremy. That's four premiers now, normally heads of agencies, certainly important ones are lucky to last two, let alone four. Unless they're Kim Evans. True. Um, and I, But my view is, I mean, I, I would have... And look, head of Treasury is arguably the most influential position in the bureaucracy. You know, you are in charge of um, the purse strings of the government and you normally have a treasurer who, who will essentially sort of uh, do whatever you say in order to keep the state running uh, smoothly. Um, and I think over the years, 10 years in the job, uh, particularly the last couple of years when Gutwin remained treasurer but also became premier, that Tony and Treasury accumulated too much power, too much power to say no to everything, yep. um, and I can tell you, you know, it ain't Deepak necessarily that's saying no to leaving the NEM or to cheaper power bills or to um, any other number of sensible initiatives. It's Treasury that is okay. saying no to those things. So I think, um, you know, with um, Tony moving on, with Kim moving on, I, I gather, I think um, Jenny Gale, the head of Deepak, yeah, okay. might have heard of her, yeah. um, is also... Um, uh, up for retirement uh, later on this year, three vacancies, three senior positions within the government bureaucracy. That really is an opportunity for Jeremy to appoint people to those roles, his people, his trusted people who will enact his agenda, not not Peter Gutwin's agenda, not Will Hodgman's agenda, not Lara Giddings' agenda, not their own agenda, his people to run his government the way he wants to run it. So... Uh, look, the state of the state's done and dusted, but um, here is another opportunity I think now been presented to um, uh, for the Premier to do that. Well, the irony is I think that's actually the real opportunity for the Premier to do something because those position are, positions are very influential and, to be blunt, not very accountable. So there is actually an, an opportunity for the government to do something about it. Um, you know, when you're a senior bureaucrat, you have a high level of influence, you're well-paid, you're well-retained, but you're unaccountable. Correct. And I think uh, this is a great opportunity to do something about it, to freshen up the government. Mm. I, I don't have a problem with the people that we're talking about here. Um, they did their job. I accept that. But I think uh, some refreshing across the senior ranks of the public service is long overdue mm. and well needed. And just a reminder to our listeners that those positions can all be appointed at the discretion of the Premier and do not require an extensive Advertising process. You're suggesting we don't need a worldwide search for. I'm suggesting the Premier thing. should just pick the people he thinks he wants to do the job and appoint. Well, there you go. So we should have some announcements in the next few days, which will be great. We can do another font cast on the back of that. Are yeah. you guys available? 
I think Beach uh, ruled us out earlier we're in the wrong political party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all right, though. I, I can give you my phone number, Sam. Anyway, we've got to leave it there. Foncast is produced by Icon Media and directed by Sam Icon. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, share, or comment on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. And until next time, carry on. Carry on.